is up? It's The Rant. My name is Jeff Rackliff, and it is Thursday, July 2nd, and the preview series rolls on today, baby. And we're going to head on out to the AFC North, talk about the Cincinnati Bengals and the Cleveland Browns. So it's the Heisman Trophy special here with each of the last two Heisman Trophy winners uh, on the show today. They're not physically on the show, but I'll be talking about both of these guys. So let's kick it off here, and let's talk about the reigning Heisman champ, and I mean, arguably the single greatest season that we've ever seen out of a college quarterback in Joe Burrow. Phenomenal, phenomenal numbers last year off the charts, and it was great play. It wasn't just, you know, some of these offenses juice up your numbers. It wasn't that with Joe Burrow. He really played the game well. And I actually did have the privilege of meeting Joe after he won the Heisman. And man, what a good kid. Really easy to root for. So hey, if you're a Bengals fan, I know you've struggled with that for a long time. But you have a pretty darn good quarterback under center here. And what I like about Burrow, what I think is appealing about Burrow for late round purposes is his ability as a runner. He's sneaky good. Now, I don't think he's going to run the ball 80, 90 times. But he certainly could top 50 rushing attempts. He certainly could top 250 rushing yards. In fact, I have him projected at 53 attempts, 260 rushing yards, 1.9 rushing touchdowns, so basically two rushing scores. That's a nice little extra chunk of fantasy points that he adds with his legs that you're not getting with some of the, you know, the old guard, the statuesque quarterbacks who don't move, right? Today's quarterbacks, you're getting that. And you almost need that for these guys to be relevant. If a quarterback isn't a running quarterback, it's going to be tough for him to be fantasy relevant in today's NFL. So with Burrow, I mean, he projects out extremely favorable. Let me just say that right now. He projects out currently in my numbers as the number 17 quarterback. Now, I am not as bullish on him in my rankings uh, because I have him currently at 20. So I moved him down just a little bit, and the reason why I did that is I fully believe in his upside, his ceiling, but I also think this is going to be a little bit of a bumpy ride, and I don't, you know, again, I don't think that's a bad thing for Burrow, it's just, you know, hey, it's going to be, it's just really hard for quarterbacks to step right into the NFL and be rock stars. I, I fully believe long-term, if you have Burrow, if you've drafted him in your rookie uh, drafts for your dynasty leagues, I fully believe Burrow is going to be a long-term QB1 in the NFL. But I don't. I, I, he'll have some QB1 weeks, no doubt about it, this year. But I don't think it's going to be a season where we look back and Burrow ends up finishing like 9th or 10th or 11th. I, I think he's going to be on the outside looking in. That being said... If you are a safe and upside person, remember, safe and upside is a late-round strategy that I use in a lot of my drafts where I will draft two quarterbacks. Now, I know people say don't draft two quarterbacks. You can if you have a reason to do so. The safe and upside approach is something that's worked really well the last couple years because, well, I recommended Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson as late-round targets in the last two years, and that is a little bit of a hot streak, sure. And I don't think there's that guy this year. I don't think Danny Dimes is going to you know, make the leap to being an elite fantasy quarterback this year. And I don't think Burrow's going to do it either. But I want to swing for the fences with guys like Danny Dimes or with Joe Exotic here. I want to swing for the fences. So I draft a safe quarterback, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, guys who can get a decent value. And then I swing for the fences with the other guy. 
And typically, I'm drafting them round 10 or later. So I drive two quarterbacks in that range, get decent value, swing for the fences. If I don't hit with Burrow, that's fine. I have my safe guy to fall back on. I can work the wire and maybe find a Ryan Tannehill or whoever it's going to be this year. Because there's always guys on the wire. So Burrow's in a good position. I like the offense, and I think that we really haven't seen what Zach Taylor is as a head coach just yet because the team was... It was, a, it was a dumpster fire last year, for the most part. But you have, obviously, a darn good running back in Joe Mixon. And, and and also Gio Bernard, by the way. You know, one of the better number two running backs in the league. Even though he's getting a little old, he's still pretty darn good. And then you have these receiving weapons in Tyler Boyd and if A.J. Green can stay healthy. Not to mention the fact they add T. Higgins, a receiver who I really like on day two in the draft. It's a nice little setup here for Burrow. I'm going to swing for the fences with him. Let's talk about Bro Mixon here because, yes, elephant in the room. There is a chance that he holds out, and if he holds out, well, obviously we have a problem on our hands because how long does he hold out for? And as far as Cincinnati is concerned, as I said, Gio Bernard is a pretty good number two running back. After that, I mean, they have Travian Williams. They have Rodney Anderson. Man, I I wish Rodney Anderson would have never gotten hurt. But I would love to see something pan out there. I just don't think it's going to. Anyway, Bernard is is one of those guys where I think a lot of people are looking. We haven't gotten to Minnesota yet, but a lot of people are looking at the Minnesota situation. They're looking at Dow Cook, and they're saying, hmm, maybe I should be drafting Alexander Madison in the eighth round or even earlier I've seen him go recently. I saw him go in the seventh round in the last mock draft I was in. Maybe I should step up and do that. Where at the same time, Mixon, this has gotten out there. And and I don't know if either one of those guys hold out. But people are letting Giovanni Bernard go into the late rounds when you could, you know, in theory, especially in best ball where, you know, hey, if you get four weeks of Giovanni Bernard's starter reps in the late rounds, okay, sign me up for that. Sign me up for that. But if Mixon doesn't hold out, I mean, he was so good down the stretch last year that I fully expect him to just step right in and continue right where he left off. And that means that, you know, he's a top 10 fantasy running back. He's a guy who is a true three down guy, which is really interesting because you have Bernard. You figure you would use Bernard, but man, Mixon is a gravitational force. You want to put the ball in his hands. And the team did that down the stretch last year. He was a top five guy down the stretch last year. So, if anything, I mean, Mixon might be going as a half a value right now if he doesn't hold out. That's the thing. Because I've seen him fall into the second round with folks who are concerned that he's going to hold out. That's the risk you kind of take with that. So, balance your exposure if you're taking him in in best balls, by the way. Uh, At wideout, I mentioned Boyd and Green. Let's talk about these guys. Tyler Boyd, for me, is essentially a slightly poor man's Cooper Cup. He's not quite to Cooper Cup's caliber, and and that's not a knock on Tyler Boyd because I think he's a darn good football player, but I don't know if this offense is able to sustain a uh, a top fifteen type fantasy wideout for the entire season. You know, I don't know if there's enough volume here. I have uh, Burrow projected at five hundred and six passing attempts, so a lot fewer than what we have with Jared Goff. We'll get to the Rams in in you know a few episodes down the line. Anyway, though. 
I actually think that Boyd is the better fantasy option to Green, and my big concern with Green, and I'm glad that people have finally wised up, because for a while, early in fantasy draft season, you know, best ball season, which, you know, best ball for me starts really in February, early on, A.J. Green was often coming off the board in the 20s, you know, round about wide receiver 24, 25. He's slid back. He's now uh, he's now at 30, which is actually pretty much where I have him ranked. I have him ranked at, at 31 among wideouts. I have Tyler Boyd one spot ahead at 30. And, you know, from a projection standpoint, they project out just slightly lower. A.J.'s at 34 and Tyler Boyd is at 32. So I move him up just slightly. And I think that part of part of that as well is, you know, the numbers are very conservative for Burrow. You know, 3,563 passing yards, 22 passing scores. His ceiling is certainly well over 4,000 passing yards in his rookie season. You know, I've said that at the college level, there are a lot of similarities from a production standpoint, not a play standpoint, but a production standpoint to, you know, Andrew Luck. When you look at some of the metrics and Andrew Luck had a 4,000-yard passing season in his rookie year, so we could see that out of Burrow, but the numbers are pretty conservative. So anyway, I move up those guys a little bit in my ranks. I like T. Higgins for the long term. I like T. Higgins for A.J. Green if A.J. Green gets hurt. That's the other elephant in the room here. A.J. Green missed all of last year. The injuries are starting to mount up with this guy. He, he, he only played nine games in 2018, let's not forget, and he is 31 years old right now. So T. Higgins has some, I wouldn't call it a handcuff per se, because I'm not saying we should be drafting T. Higgins, but if A.J. Green goes down, it's a natural replacement. Now, he's not going to be 100% of A.J. Green, even over the hill A.J. Green, but could T. Higgins be 85% of him? Sure. And by the way, T. Higgins is going to supplant John Ross. I really don't have a tight end to talk about here. I mean, Uzama's there. They have Drew Sample. Some folks have been talking up Drew Sample, but I think it's going to take some time for Drew Sample to round into form. Anyway, let's move on to the Cleveland Browns. And of course, a very disappointing year last year. This is why we always have to beware of the hype machine. You know, you get this, uh, this echo chamber that tends to happen in fantasy football where one person likes a team, then everybody likes a team, then everybody really likes a team, and then everybody likes a team way too much. And I don't mean everybody as in every single person, but the group, the consensus, everybody was in on the Browns last year. You may not have been, but a lot of people were. And that caused Baker Mayfield to go way too early. That caused, well, I don't actually mind where OBJ went. So the problem with OBJ last year was an efficiency issue. Everything else was sort of there. And that can happen. You can have these sort of outlier seasons. Even with the meh that he did, he had 74 catches. He had over 1,000 receiving yards. But it was the four touchdowns. That's the big thing. Now, the key with OBJ is that he was... Only Kenny Galladay saw more targets 20-plus yards downfield. So from an air yard standpoint... OBJ was really good last year. Now, air yards, we're we're not in a point per air yards league. Maybe we should be. Maybe we should do that. But for now, we're not. So he needs to be more efficient. And hopefully having Kevin Stefanski in there writes the, the ship a little bit for Cleveland. And it writes the ship for Baker Mayfield. Now, you know, fortunately, we're not overboard on Baker Mayfield this year. 
I've seen a few people who are still like holding on to last year's hope and draft him maybe a tad earlier than he should go. But for me, Baker Mayfield is a late-round guy, and I would call him an upside option. He's not a safe option. He's volatile. We saw it last year. But he does have upside. And I'm I'm not going to believe that he simply forgot how to play football. And you know, you know, from an air yard standpoint, per game, he was a little bit better in 2018 than 2019, but he was still pushing the ball downfield. Uh, I still like some of the things that we saw. Now, the 21 interceptions, I don't like that. And, you know, obviously who does, but I'm not going to simply write him off as a result. So I'm targeting him as a late round guy right now. He's ranked 19th in my rankings. And I think he's a really solid upside guy. If you don't get Dan- Daniel Jones, is going to be everybody's upside guy, it seems like this year. Anyway, moving on to OBJ. I love absolutely love the value you get with Odell Beckham Jr. He has left such a bad taste in so many fantasy players' mouths that you can often get him in the fourth round of a 12-teamer. The fourth round for a guy who, I don't think it's outlandish to say, has number one fantasy wide receiver potential. I don't think that's outlandish. Now, granted, if we were setting odds, he would certainly not be the favorite on the board. That would obviously be Michael Thomas. He wouldn't even be in the top five for me. But if you're looking at a, a slight long shot on the board who could take the, the crown, Beckham stands out, doesn't he? And you don't have to pay for him this year. And I do think we see some, you know, some favorable regression towards the mean you know, where his touchdown efficiency goes up because it was bad last year. I don't have, I'm not projecting him with a lot of touchdowns, by the way. I haven't projected at just over six touchdowns, and that might be conservative. But he's projecting out as the number 15 wide receiver. I have him ranked as my number 13 wide receiver. And even so, even there, I'm still getting value on him if I'm drafting him in the fourth round. And that's typically where you're seeing him go right now. Now, granted, uh, you may see some ADP sources that still have him in the third round, but I'm telling you, the general trend is I'm seeing people lay off of Odell Beckham Jr. So that sort of thing, you know, the uh, the Oracle of Omaha, Warren Buffett, there we go, we get a Warren Buffett uh, reference here. He says, be greedy when others are fearful. And this is a great example of that. Let's be greedy Uh, when others are fearful. He was not talking about fantasy football, (laughs) but we can apply principles of investing to fantasy football. There's no doubt about it. Uh, Jarvis Landry. I get a lot of questions about Jarvis Landry based on where I'm ranking him. So I'm ranking him at 27. And people will say, well, Jeff, he was the number 12 fantasy receiver last year. He was the number 19 the year before. He was the number four the year before that. Why are you ranking him so low? It's not a knock on Jarvis because, you know, he's been so consistent. The the thing about Jarvis that I'm not really in love with is the very, very, very low ceiling. You know, Odell Beckham Jr. had basically almost 400 more air yards than Jarvis. Jarvis, we know he's going to be targeted close to the line of scrimmage. And we know that while he comes with a, a very solid floor... Uh, the high floor guys aren't necessarily the guys who are going to win you your fantasy championship. So yeah, maybe am I am I a little too low on him based on where he's ultimately going to finish? Yes, but in some ways we have to make a statement with rankings. And the statement here is 
I'm not going to draft Jarvis as a wide receiver too, only to be frustrated by his low ceiling. I'm going to draft him as a wide receiver three, realizing I have a high floor with him. So it's a different mindset. That's where I'm setting you know my value on him, and maybe he doesn't get to that point when I you know on my board he's picked before that. That's fine. I don't I you know it doesn't matter if he's picked before it. Then we we just go back to our board and we pick uh, pick somebody else. Speaking of my draft board, I should mention that the FTN draft guide will be coming out very soon. An entire draft kit, uh, and of course. The website will also be coming out very soon. Uh, I swear to you, I have an announcement coming on that. I can't spill the beans right now, uh, but I can pretty darn soon. Anyway, in the draft guide itself, uh, we we have my, my draft boards. So if you've used those before, well, you know, it's just one page, and it's as simple as it can get, and everything is distilled. All the information is distilled down to that one page. I will show up at drafts with just that one sheet of paper. You're not fumbling through old magazines. You're not fumbling through a binder with all sorts of different notes and all sorts of uh, you know pages. And when you're up, you're flipping through all these different pages. And you have a, a short board over here. And you got this magazine over there. And you got a website up on your laptop. No, one piece of paper. All the, all the work is done beforehand. So then all you have to do is just sit back and draft based on the draft board. So my draft board will be in the FTN draft guide. More on that to come. Anyway, let's talk about this backfield because, hey, we have Nick Chubb, who is awesome. He is awesome. But he also plays with Kareem Hunt. And that's the problem here. Because Kareem Hunt is going to be used in the passing game. In fact, once Kareem Hunt returned from suspension last year you know, the final eight games of the season for the Browns. Kareem Hunt was number 17 fantasy running back in PPR. Chubb was number 15. Now, I'm a little more bullish on Chubb than 15, but I'm not overly bullish where I'm saying he's going to be like a top five. I have him at nine right now. And nine is because he comes in with this massive floor. I mean, the guy had, you know, nearly 300 carries last year. I think we'll see a little dip there because, again, Hunt on the field but uh, either way, you know, you have that high floor as a runner, and it's really appealing, plus the fact that, you know, obviously he, he's really he's so much fun to watch, first and foremost, so much fun to watch, and that's a benefit there. Now, Hunt, on the other hand, right now, and this has to be, I think this is the highest I'm ranking two players in the same backfield, uh, it is uh, Kareem Hunt I have at 28, so again, not as high on him as how he performed over those final eight weeks of the season last year, but also acknowledging the fact, I mean, I have him projected at 52 catches. That's a lot of catches. You know, granted, I'm only projecting him at uh, 91 rushing attempts, so he's not going to be that involved. At least that's what we're expecting here on the ground. And the other thing about Hunt is while he did finish well, he didn't have any top 10 weeks over that stretch. Now, granted, he was also uh, outside of the top 25, three out of those eight games, and the rest he you know, was inside the top 20, but not inside the top 10. So it's a little bit of a ceiling issue there with Kareem Hunt, something to, to think about. That also, consider this though, if Chubb goes down, <sighs> Kareem Hunt, or if Kareem Hunt goes down, <sighs> Nick Chubb. So... 
you have this almost like weird quasi handcuff value, implied value that you can include with both of those guys. Uh, let's talk about Austin Hooper really quickly here. This was not the best place for him to go. I was really hoping to see him go to the Packers uh, in free agency. He lands with the Browns. This pretty much says the David Njoku experience is, or experiment, or whatever you want to call it, uh, it hasn't quite worked out, but he's still going to be used, and that's not a good thing for Hooper. Uh, Hooper will see him take a step back from the heavy volume he saw in Atlanta, but he'll still, I mean, he's still a good receiving tight end. There's no doubt about that. So he's still going to be used, but you have to, you know, sort of, you know, balance that all out. And the reality is because of Najoku there, because of the other mouths to feed, I don't view him as a tight end one. Actually, I'm right outside of the tight end ones uh, right now. So that positions him. I mean, you could, you know, you can lump a lot of these guys together, but I have him positioned at 13. You know, and I'm probably not taking him there because it's like right the same range I have Mike Gasicki, same range I have guys like Noah Fant, and and even TJ Hawkinson and Hayden Hurst, they're all sort of lumped together in a tier for me. And while I have Hooper in the middle of that tier, I'm not really in love with him. So, uh, you know, I'm, typically I find myself passing on him where he ends up going in drafts. Uh, by the way, they also drafted Harrison Bryant, who, small schooler, he's not going to do much in year one by any means, but the team obviously prioritized tight end for the long haul, bringing in Hooper, drafting Bryant. So there were some folks out there who thought Bryant might have been the best tight end in this year's class. So, Interesting. So there you go. The Bengals and Browns are now officially in the hopper for us. So coming up next, we have to talk about the Dallas Cowboys and the Denver Broncos. Of course, Dallas loaded up. Dak coming off a monster season. We know Zeke is there. The wide receivers, Cooper, Gallup, CD. That's pretty sexy. And then in, I mean, speaking of sexy, the Denver Broncos draft was sexy AF. They go out, get Jerry, Judy, and KJ Hamler. That is pretty darn exciting. Noah Fant in the building. Of course, you have Cortland Sutton there. But, of course, the big question, Drew Locke, can he hit? Can he be a viable starting quarterback in the NFL? Is he able to give these guys enough fantasy juice uh, to be you know, what we expect of them? And, by the way, uh, they also signed Melvin Gordon. <laughs> So there's a lot of moving parts here, a lot to unpack with those two teams. That'll be on the show tomorrow. In the meantime, hey, keep the reviews coming. I really appreciate all the support. Go to iTunes and review and rate the pod. It takes a couple seconds for you, and it really helps me out. And even if you aren't an iTunes user, hey, you can just go create an account and review the show really quickly. It is that simple. Of course, on social media at Jeff Ratcliffe, that's Twitter and Instagram. And use that hashtag Rat Pack. That way I know you're a listener of the show. All right, I'll catch you on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out of here.